Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Tell me tales. Uh, we're back. It's a new year. It's 2018. I'm 30, feeling old and stuff. Um, and yeah, it's a new year for the podcast. Going into our second year now, and things are pretty exciting. I uh, hope you enjoy this conversation with Miriam Dowie. A uh, very interesting person. 18 years old. Uh, raises a whole lot of money for charity. Speaks amazingly well for somebody so young. Moroccan-born. Uh, often races in the hijab and the long tights. You probably may have seen her uh, getting in the podium in a couple of big races down in Tasmania. She came third at the National Cross Country Championships this year uh, in, where were they? Wollongong, I think, in uh, New South Wales, there somewhere. So, very quality runner. Ran a marathon when she was 17 to raise some money for Syria and ran three hours and two minutes. Just got an amazing story and someone that I really wanted to get on the show and just have a conversation with because I think sometimes we get a bit caught up with, um, you know, just the, the mainstream kind of athletes in Australia and we forget about some of these younger kids doing some amazing things. So I really wanted to get on the show and have a conversation with her. hope you enjoy it. Sorry for not having a show last week. It was a crazy week with Christmas, New Year's. Got one out for inside running just, uh, yeah, birthday. And now we're back in the routine. And I think it's looking like I might have two shows this week and two shows next week. So something to look forward to there. Thanks for all you do. Thanks for the emails and the feedback. Thanks for the rating on iTunes. Uh, all those kind of things really help spread the word. Really spread this one. She has an amazing story and I think it needs to be heard. So I'd appreciate your support in spreading the world. The world, the word. Enjoy, guys. Cheers. Okay, welcome to Tell Me Your Tales podcast, Miriam Dowie. Thanks for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate, you know, giving me this opportunity. Yeah, well, you're someone. We've been playing email tag for about the last oh, probably six weeks, I think. Email's been going yep. back and forth. <laughs> and um, you were finishing off uni and I was finishing off school teaching. It was a bit of a crazy time of the year. But, yeah, thankfully, start of January, we've made, made it happen. Yes, yep, that's the main thing. And uh, I've still got uni, but 
Yep, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. Don't have a big break over Christmas? No, I'm doing a summer semester. Ah, really? No rest? No. <laughs> okay, and uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. I was speaking to Josh Harris about you earlier in the year and Andy Allison. Um, he did a bit of a report for us on my other podcast that I do inside running and after you won the point to Pinnacle. So um, yeah, definitely thought you'd be a great guest and just hear about your story and upbringing and um, yeah, your achievements in running. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Do you, what I usually do, Miriam, is I get the guests to introduce themselves. So feel free to take that in any way you like and, yeah, tell the listeners a bit about who you are. Yep. Um, so I'm Miriam. Um, just, you know, I just see myself as a normal person who just enjoys running. Some people um, know me as, I guess, they see me as a, you know, exceptional runner. But for me, I just, I don't think I'm better than anyone. Um, and, yeah, I just have a big passion for running. Um, I was originally um, from Morocco and I moved to Australia. I've been living here since I was 14 years now. Um, and, yeah, so currently I'm at university studying nursing and along that I do um, cross-country, track and, yeah, Beautiful. I've got to let the listeners know you are you are 18 years old. Is that correct? Yes, I'm 18, turning 19, um, 24th of January. So okay. that's soon. Not far <laughs> away. Yeah. Um, but third place national cross country this year. So you said you enjoy cross country running, but you're also one of the best cross country runners we've got in Australia. And for an 18 year old, you've done some pretty remarkable things with your running and also just doing a bit of researching into you, like your fundraising efforts. I think I. Uh, probably tallied up about seven or eight thousand dollars that you've raised for different charities over yeah. the last couple of years which is pretty amazing for someone so young yeah i mean i think if you can use you know running as a way to bring awareness to important causes then why not and it wasn't just my running it was also the um just seeing the community come together it was just amazing and getting the support from everyone it was just amazing to see that come together and yeah yeah, Hopefully I'll try and organise some more fundraising events in the future. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to maybe just fill the listeners in what you were fundraising for? Yeah, that's fine. Um, so back in 2016, I ran my first marathon to raise money for what was happening in Syria. Um, I just felt, you know, watching, um, you know, what was happening there and feeling hopeless at what, you know, what they were going through. And seeing how privileged I was, it just made me feel sad and I wanted to do something. And then I was like, well, you know, I can use my running um, to try and help them. So I dedicated my first marathon, um, which I ran at Ross Marathon. And um, I set up a GoFundMe page um, maybe around five weeks before the marathon. And I just, you know, wrote, um, you know, I'm raising money for Syria and the amount of support I got from the community, from family, from friends, it was just overwhelming. And we raised, I think it was over $5,000. Yeah, it's pretty And just insane. getting, you know, even ABC News came and made a little segment on it and it was great, yeah. You did bypass the fact you actually won that marathon as well. So, you know, a marathon oh, yes. <laughs> as a, a marathon as a 17-year-old, you ran three hours and two minutes. 
um, raised over 5000 And from what – I think Josh Harris also won the men's section that year. He told me yes. it was like a – because it's a point-to-point course, isn't it? And it's – was it like 35, 40K wins? <laughs> yeah, right. Four laps with um, four nice hills and really strong headwinds. But it was worth it. <laughs> So such an amazing effort for someone so young. And, um, yeah, I guess how would you pull up and stuff after that? Like running a marathon at such a young age is pretty unforeseen, I guess, in Australia. Yeah, um, I was actually pretty fine. Like one week later, I was all good. But I did, you know, get sore and stuff after a couple of days. But, yeah, it was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, right. There's probably a couple of marathon runners listening uh, with a bit of jealousy hearing that you pulled up so well. From the mar- <laughs> I know I'm probably one of them. It takes me forever to get over a marathon. But, um, yeah, that's pretty cool to hear. Maybe if we just go back and just link us up with um, what got you into running at the first place. Like, were you pretty young or was it in Morocco? Or, um, yeah, maybe go through the background of what first got you into running. So, for me, I was pretty unfit as a kid. Um, uh, the f- thing that got me into running was, um, I went to an all girls school in Tasmania, it's called Ogilvy and, um, they have a very supportive community and they like to, um, create a, um, group for a local fun run, which is called the city to casino. Yep. And that year my friend was like, Hey, you should try, um, you know, the city, like sign up for it because, um, you know, that school is looking for a team and I was unsure at first I was like oh but you know can't even run for five minutes let alone seven kilometers but you know I was like okay what's to lose so I signed up and um, I just after that like coming into the race I was just overwhelmed by how supportive everyone was and just the atmosphere I've never seen so many people come together just to run I never experienced that, and I just loved that. Um, and also, I managed to run the whole way, the whole seven kilometres without stopping, and just crossing the finish line knowing that I ran seven kilometres without stopping, just, I guess it, I guess you could say I caught the running bug, and I told myself, you know, if I could do this, what can I do? You know, what else can I do? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah. So you weren't, like, naturally gifted. You didn't go out and win that race first up or anything. It was just more of that community feel. Oh, no, feel I was, like, the... dead last. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, cool. Well, I think that's yeah. important for people to know because sometimes we hear about these people coming, you know, winning big races and coming third at National Cross Country, and we often forget that they started from the bottom and worked their way up. No, um, I just – I didn't run an exceptionally fast time or – anything I was just you know as I said my running I don't compare myself to others it's about working on yourself at the end of the day it's not about how fast you run or what place you get it's just trying to improve from I guess for you yeah Um, and that's what I yeah great attitude to have so then how did it progress so that first 7k race you ran the whole way and then um you know what was the next step um after that I the I signed up um for the cross-country season which was linked with the school, and um, ever since then I've been with Northern Suburbs Athletics Club um, and just, you know, progressing. And then I found a coach who also helped me along the way um, and training with other girls as well. Yeah, right. And then, but the um, only started getting more competitive in running maybe 2016. Yes. Um, and... Last year, I went to Morocco for a trip because I'm 
as I mentioned before, I'm Moroccan and every three years me and my family go to see, you know, relatives and um, family. And I think what happened that this time around when we went there was a major contribution to my improvement in my performance. Yeah, so I actually um, got to race in the cross-country nationals in Morocco, which was unplanned for, but I did. Um, So me and my family went up to Ifran, which is up at the Atlas Mountains, and that's where a lot of the um, athletes go for altitude training. And they have, like, a camp there and, um, I guess, a athletics um, university and people go and train there. And one of the coaches came up to me and was like, oh, you know, we've got the cross-country nationals. If you want to race, you're, you know, you're welcome to join. So we ended up staying for the weekend and I raced. Um, it was one of the – I've never raced a race like that before. Just the atmosphere there was, like, really, you know – um, crazy like the girls they were really competitive really big field everyone was you know lining up and um, I was like oh you know just see how I go I was unsure and I managed to come second overall and I surprised myself and after that I'm not sure if you've heard of him his name is Khalid Sukkah and he's a yeah, gold um, medalist from the, yeah, gold yeah, medalist, from the yeah. 70s wasn't he yeah yes that's it um, he's, I think, t- 5,000 metre gold medalist. I'm not, don't quote me on this, but he's also a, a um, cross country world championship, and so he's he's pretty well known runner. And then he came up to me and offered me to train with the national Moroccan team for a month, and I did. And the plan was that I would um, compete in world cross country championships in Uganda, but. Yeah, so I trained with the team up there and I, I think I learned so much, um, you know, about nutrition, about training, um, recovery, all that stuff, which I've carried on with me when I moved back to Australia. Even though I didn't I didn't end up staying for the um, championships in Uganda because I had to get back to uni and um, get stuff ready in Australia, but it was like a big learning experience for me. Well, it sounds like a pretty amazing trip. Like you go over to visit some family and the next minute you come second in their cross-country championships and uh, have Olympic gold medalists kind of showing interest in you to join their training groups. Yeah, it was it was a good experience. Yeah, and the culture of distance running in Morocco, you said the atmosphere was really um, kind of up and about. Was that like very, I guess, different to Australia? Is it more of a mainstream sport over there? Um, yeah, it's a lot more, I think, competitive yeah, um, right. rather than more of a social thing it's more competitive whereas in Australia there's more like there's a competitive and also a social side of running yeah and it was interesting that you got into it through that social and that community kind of side of it and then you are uh, you know probably learned about the competitive side of it in Australia and then really went over there to see the super competitive side of it yeah <laughs> yeah so um Oh, did you just come back with a whole stack of confidence going forward in your running when you got back to Australia? Um, I felt like I knew a lot more and I was more knowledgeable with what to do. And, yeah, and that's just helped a lot. And it was reflected in my, you know, improvements in my 10-kilometre times. Like, I think 
Um, before I left, I was running around 37 minutes and my recent 10 kilometer time was around 34.40. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that was at the Launceston 10K this year, wasn't it? Was that? Yes, yeah. that's it, yeah. And then to pick out the win in, at Point Pinnacle also at the end of 2017 in that third place that we mentioned before at the uh, Australian Cross Country Champs. It's capped off a pretty good 2017 for you. Yeah, it's been a good year. Yeah, yeah, and I guess um, you'd be excited about things going forward, uh, going into 2018. What's coming up? Um, so I've signed up for the Cadbury Half Marathon, which is um, in, well, less than two weeks. Yeah, next weekend. And Yes. <laughs> and I run the bridge. Yep. Which is in February. Well, Tasmania is good like that, isn't it? It's got quite a lot of races that are pretty competitive and have good fields uh, pretty regularly on. Like, it doesn't go probably till yeah, three every month without a good race. Yeah, exactly. Every month there's a race on, which is good. And what about the, I guess, the community feel still in Tasmania? Like, have you got a good group of guys or girls that you train with? Yes, definitely. I think the main reason why I'm still running is, I think, just having good people around you that motivate you it's running is more than just the physical but it's also having you know the social aspects of it um and here it's very supportive everyone's supportive of each other like um everyone congratulates you know each other when they finish a race no matter if they ran well or bad and just having that support network i think is very important yeah because running can be a very individual sport but you can um you know improve it by having people around you and having that support network yeah for sure um and talk us through a normal week so what's a normal week of training like what kind of mileage are you doing and like key sessions and stuff yep so for me i do um i do two runs usually five times a week so and they consist of just when i do two runs it's just easy so 10 kilometers easy in the morning and then another 10k easy in the afternoon and then I also have track sessions so usually Tuesdays I do one kilometer repeats my favorite (laughs) Um, and that's just eight kilometers and you do one and then you recover for the 200 and you go again and then Wednesday maybe an easy just recovery because I think recovery is the it's more important than the actual sessions so make sure you recover in between the hard sessions, yeah. yeah. I've been trying to get that through to a couple of people that I coach, like just uh, really backing off. No one cares about how fast you do your recovery days. It's um, just so important to respect them so you can make Oh, you know gains. how slow I run? Like really slow. Yeah. How, well, Maybe it's up to, you know, you can even go up to six-minute K pace. Like that's how slow I go. Yeah, that's good for people to hear because, you're, you know, you just said you've, you've broken 35 minutes a couple of times for – for 10k you've ran three hours for a marathon as a 17 year old probably not not doing a, a massive marathon build-up so that's important for people to hear that you're running that pace on your recovery days and can still turn yeah. out those good pb times because that's the thing with um i found that's one of the main things i learned when i went to morocco is the importance of recovery and making sure you stretch well because when i first started running i thought that you know each time you go out for a run it's about running as fast as you can for as long as you can, but that's not the case. Mm. And a lot of people get stuck in this mindset of, you know, running a certain mileage and a certain pace, and then they get injured. Um, And even when they are injured, you know, they don't 
stop and recover and take care of themselves because, you know, they have that mindset, you know, more mileage or the faster I run, the better. But that's not the case. You need to make sure you listen to your body and recover adequately. Yeah. Um, if you want to improve. 100%, yeah. Yeah, you see people that go out and might do their, their same 7K loop around their house five times a week and they'll see how fast they can do it and they end up kind of doing, you know, five by 7K time trials every uh, yeah. every week. Whereas, yeah, you're right, the elite runners wouldn't do that. I'm sure it would have been similar in Morocco. They wouldn't have done that either. No. Each, um, it's not the same. Like each week there's a different, there's like a specific workout for a specific reason. Yeah. So then what would the second half of your week look like? Yep, so Wednesday easy, and then Thursday um, maybe like a shorter session, so maybe 200 metres on or 200 metres off or maybe 400 metre reps. Um, In Morocco, we used to do 15 by 300 with 100 metre recovery. Um, That was hard. (laughs) That's a good session. And was Morocco at altitude as well? Um, Yes. Yeah, I could imagine that would be quite a hard session. Yeah. That 100 metres would go quick. It's such a good feeling to get it finished. Yeah. <laughs> um, or if not at the track, you might do maybe fartlek or hill sprints. So around 15 hill sprints, so maybe 100 metres and then just recover and then go again. Um, and then usually on a Friday, easy run. Saturday, if it's not a race, another easy run. And then Sunday, my long run. Yeah, and what do you build your long runs out to? How far are you going on a Sunday? Um, usually they're on average 21 kilometres. Yeah. Sometimes 25 if I'm feeling up to it. Yeah, and do you run that at a certain pace as well or just as a recovery? No, just easy. Yeah, time on your feet kind of long run. And if I feel like, you know, I feel that that's the thing, you just listen to yourself. Um, this is, I'm not saying that I do this, ever, like, well, like, the workouts that I'm telling you now, they're on, that's what I usually do, but if I feel like I'm tired or not up to it, then um, I just listen to my body and maybe I'll just, instead of doing the long run, I'll just go for 5Ks easy and that's it. Yeah. Um, and if I feel, you know, I'm good up to 20Ks, I'll do 25Ks. Yeah, where is this, um, I guess, this maturity come from? Like I speak to a lot of people on this podcast who have made massive mistakes in their training before and they'll always name it and... I'm a bit of a sucker from uh, pushing too hard and stuff in the past as well, but some of the statements you come out with sound like they're coming from a 35-year-old, not a not an 18-year-old. Like, have you always been pretty mature and stuff in your training? Um, I'm still learning, as I'm you know every day I'm still learning, but it's just my past mistakes. Because I remember when I first started running, you know, it's just about trying to run this time or this distance, but. I found that that is not effective. And as I said, just going to Morocco and learning all those, um, you know, that insight that I got really helped. Yeah. And what else was the culture of Morocco like? It really interests me to, um, yeah, just know more about it. Like what time of the day were they training and like were they doing ice baths or anything for recovery or what did it look like over there? Um, So usually they would, do, um, we'd usually go out for an easy run in the morning. Um, so they had like a nice little forest um, on a dirt track and people would go there and um, afternoon um, they'd do their track sessions or speed work and sometimes maybe um, in like maybe mid-afternoon they'd 
do you know their um, strength training as well and a lot of the recovery it's just um, like the stretches that they do are really good um, and also you can use partners to help you stretch if that makes sense yeah yeah um, yeah and would that stretching be like daily after like every every run you'd finish every, with stretching yes every run after recovery after hard sessions all the time yeah right and was that something you did before you went over to Morocco? No. Yeah, I'm no, I never well. stretched. I never stretched at all. And do you think it's benefited um, you, like now? Yes, a lot. Yes. Yeah. It has. I think it has reduced my injuries and improves my recovery so much. Just stretching five minutes after a run, you know, it makes a big difference. Yeah. And what about getting into the gym and stuff? Do you do much strength work? Um. Yes. Oh, I'm going to be honest because I've been really busy with uni. I just not as much as I should be doing, but strength training is very important. The thing is, running is not just about running. It's about you don't just run. You need the strength, so your core muscles, everything, um, if you want to run well. So, yeah, and it also prevents injuries. Um, but I try maybe three times a week to do a bit of strength work Yeah. after my runs, yeah. And that was something that was uh, evident in Morocco as well? Yes, definitely. Yeah. They had like a massive gym that they'd go and do their strength work in. And were they like full-time athletes? Like were people doing that for their job or? Yeah, they were full-time athletes. So they, it's basically like um, a, so they go there and they have their own dorms that they sleep in. Um, and all the everything's cooked for them, so they have breakfast, lunch, dinner um, at the campus, and then they train, and that's basically it. Yeah, it's right. like the, I guess the um, Australian Institute of yeah. Sport in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, that's pretty interesting. Um, take me back to that Ross Marathon. Like you're obviously raising money, but what was going through your head? What was your longest run maybe before that race, and then what was it like in the final stages in your first ever marathon at such a young age? Yeah, um, my longest run before Ross so was 30 kilometers, and I think Ross was definitely one of the most it's most memorable race for me because I first of all ran my first marathon and just the atmosphere there was so supportive and knowing I was actually running for a cause really helped during the run. It, like when I felt really tired. I just kept on telling myself, you know, you're doing this, um, you know, to raise awareness for Syria and everyone's behind your back. So um, that really helped. And coming, I think the marathon really started last 10 kilometers. That was really hard for me. <laughs> um, you just get really tired. I'm also a diabetic, so you had to, I had to be more, make sure I was eating my gels and keeping my sugar levels up. Um, and then my feet, my legs everything started to cramp the whole th last three k's and it was just trying to get one foot in front of the other yeah and you even went on to break the course record was that right did you break the course record by a few minutes as well that day um i think so yes yeah i think i but, read somewhere yeah, two and a half minutes off. yeah well it's a pretty yeah. good effort in your first one and it's um yeah and i guess touching on that type one diabetes as well like how does that impact your running training and what have you got to be cautious of there yeah so with um type 1 diabetes you just need to 
because a lot of type 1 diabetics are scared of exercising or doing what they love because they're scared of their sugar levels dropping. But I want to try and tell those people it's okay, you can still do what you want. You know, you can still be a full-time athlete and have type 1 diabetes. It's just about management and learning how your body works. So I'll make sure that I, you know, check my sugar levels. Um, Also, over the years, it's just been, you know, a learning process. So I, I know what to eat before and how much insulin or so insulin is my medication that I take for my diabetes and because um, I adjust my dose. So if I if I have a race or a really hard session, I'll probably have a lower dose of insulin than a normal day. And if I check my sugar levels before training and it's in the lower end, I make sure, you know, I have my, you know, something sweet to eat just to make sure I don't drop during the session. Yeah, and I guess have you had some um, bad experiences where you've learned about yourself and what not to do with diabetes and the training? Um, yeah, I think one of the mistakes I used to do was um, I think I'll, I get really stressed about my sugar levels before I run, and that didn't really help when I first started running. But I found that you know with um, help from your doctor and stuff, it's not too bad. And making sure that, you know, as I said, eating well beforehand, checking your sugar levels and adjusting your insulin. So don't just give your normal dose and then go out for like a really hard session or like a long race because your sugar levels will drop. Yeah, well, it's just – and it doesn't impact you at all. Like, I guess once you've got your insulin correctly, like there's no disadvantage for you at all in a race. Um, the funny thing is with races is um, because of the adrenaline rush, it's not too bad. So your sugar levels, like generally they don't, you don't get low sugar levels. But it's just with training they might drop because it's not as much adrenaline. Because with adrenaline it actually um, increases your blood sugar levels. So I've never actually had a hypo, which is a, which means um, low sugar um, during a race. But I have had a few in training, and once I actually had to stop <laughs> um, at someone's house and ask for, I think it was lemonade because I was just, uh, I felt really bad and I needed something sweet. Yeah, something um, sugar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully that doesn't happen too much. Uh, but I guess all the gels and stuff, like they're all loaded with the processed sugar and stuff as well, so it's, uh, it's pretty handy to have them in the back pocket. Yeah, no, they're good. Yeah, yeah, and maybe over to your fundraising efforts. Like we touched on your, uh, you know, your five thousand dollars that you raised at the Ross Marathon for for Syria, but you've also raised money for uh, was it Rohingya or the refugees over yes. there? You organised a fund. Yeah, that stuff. was Is that um, correct. Yeah, that was I think four months ago, and it was as I said, you know, it was um, I was just confronted with what was happening, and nothing. I felt you know hopeless again, and. I was like, hey, maybe I'll organise my own fun run. So we did that and it was just, as I said again, like the community getting together was just, um, I really appreciated it and um, I organised a five-kilometre run and walk and I made posters and I told everyone about it, made an event page um, and it turned out really well and I just got so much support. You know, people were donating um food for because we had like a little barbecue at the end um and yeah just you know prize packs and stuff 
just coming together. It was a nice social event. You should be a... And we ended up raising, I think, 3700 so that was really good. Yeah, that's amazing. Like, um, I guess you'd have to be pretty grateful for the community, but at the same time, it's pretty amazing what you're doing within your community. You should be uh, up for a Young Australian of the Year Award or something like that with all these uh, fundraising efforts. Yeah, but the, I just... I, this wouldn't have happened if I didn't get help from others. I mean, I might have an idea, but that's... I need, it's sort of like in the ripple effect. You need other people to come and help you. Because if I didn't get help from others, it wouldn't have happened. So um, it's not just me. It's, I guess, um, help from everyone. So yeah. it's not just... yeah. Your initiative kicks it off and then everyone comes together to uh, help you out. Exactly. It's teamwork. That's it. That's the right word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's pretty good, but it's pretty uh, motivating just hearing that there's young Australians in, especially in the running community, who are using their initiative to help people less fortunate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Take me back to uh, Point to Pinnacle this year. Would have been pretty impressed with, well, talk us through the race, because isn't it just 21k straight uphill? It is. (laughs) One big hill. One big hill. And obviously you had the win there. You won quite easily in the end, I think. Um, yeah, well, wouldn't say easily, but um, I did surprise myself because um, Kate, she's like a, she wins it every year, so I was very surprised, but um, I was, you know, coming into the race, I was very stressed because one week beforehand, I um, I think I tore my hamstring and it was really sore the whole week and I was like, oh, will I even be able to run? But I just put one foot in front of the other and I was like, you know, just go and I felt fine so my um like nothing played up and just tried to stick behind a group of um runners in front of me and one thing I told myself was just try and stay comfortable even though I was in a lot of pain just I guess be comfortable with the pain that's what got me through and this drink stations because it was a really hot day so I made sure I drank each station um yeah, and I was just, I guess, um, trying, you know, get to the top. It seems, <laughs> but like... the last two kilometers, it was hard. <laughs> yeah, it seems like that's a bit of a common thread with you, though, that you can embrace the pain in races and kind of um, almost shift that pain. Like you can think of people you're raising money for, or think of something else to and kind of it. shift that yep. pain. Yeah, is that something you do regularly in races for your mental toughness? Yes. I try and embrace the pain. That's the right word for it. Try and embrace it rather than um, dwell on it. And I think that helps a lot because running, it's not just the physical, it's also the mental. Yeah, it's uh, and, yeah, it's pretty good Pretty good characteristic to be able to have because I know even with my racing sometimes it's, um, yeah, we all go through that pain and it's how you deal with it mentally that's so important. Yeah. But Mir- you need to distinguish between... Running pain and injury pain. Yeah, That's the main yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 Well, <laughs> Don't you... continue running if you, you know, your your ankles are falling off or something. You know, stop. <laughs> you did just say that you thought you'd strained your hamstring like the week leading into this race. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's good to hear you got that better and didn't run through any, and any I serious myself, pain you know, there. If I felt, if I felt my hamstring pulling up, I'm going to stop, and I didn't. So I just continued. And that's the thing, you just have to listen to yourself. Yeah. And going forward, do you think you'll stick to the longer distances? Like, is there another marathon on the cards going forward, or what are you thinking? Definitely in the future. My coach has advised me not to run any marathons, um, just for the time being. But I would definitely consider running 
marathons again, especially the London Marathon. I'd love to do that. Yeah, why London? I've got, like, you know, travel and run. And I've got um, just places I want to see in London, and I've got family there as well. So it would be nice to go and visit them and maybe run yeah. <laughs> the London Marathon. Well, it's one of the big ones, isn't it? Like, it always looks so special just watching it on the live stream and all those kind of things when it's on and just so many people in the one space. And exactly, yeah, yeah. the course looks amazing. Definitely on my bucket list to do as well. Yeah. So you get the, get the uh, shorter distances down in the next couple of years and then uh, then go for a, maybe a serious marathon debut. That's the um, plan. <laughs> you must be pretty excited, well, though. All goes like, well. If you can run three hours on a, on a hilly, windy course when you're 17, it must uh, excite you about what you could possibly do in the future. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> yeah. And definitely. I, marathon is definitely a good – I think I really enjoyed that distance. For me, I just – I'm a long-distance runner. I'm not, I don't really like the shorter stuff, so, yeah. Well, I think that gives you an opportunity for that strength or that mental mental strength. Like, you really get 10K to kind of embrace that pain, whereas if you're on the track, it might only be two or three minutes to get through the last couple of laps, so it kind of plays to your strengths a bit. Exactly, yeah. And with the track, it's more focused on running really, really fast, and it's more like specific. Whereas yeah. with the longer distances, it's a different, I guess, ball game. It's more about getting through and um, patience and strength. Um, yeah. And Whereas that- if you race like a four hundred meters, every little millisecond counts. But a marathon, you know, you can make up time if you lost time and you can still work towards, um, I guess, if you had a disadvantage earlier on the race, you could still pick up. Yeah, I always think the marathon tells you a lot about what you're like as a human as well. Like you go to some pretty dark places and you really got to push on and it, um, yeah, it teaches you yeah, quite a lot about your own character and your own personality. Exactly, and you learn so much about yourself. Yeah. It's- it's very um, – running, it's not just about running. It's also – like mentally, it helps a lot, I think, for your mental health. It's really good. Oh, I know for sure. Like just being a school teacher, not that it's the most hectic job in, job in the world, but um, just leaving work and I just need to go for a run after work just to clear my head and just to – I don't know. It's just exactly so spiritual. And, here, yeah, yeah, just meditative. And even before school, like if I don't run before work, I really – find that I'm in a different mood at school compared to yep. if I um if I haven't ran I'm yeah kind of a bit bit all over the place you're Agitated. almost a bit scattered yeah yeah a bit on edge the yeah. whole day yeah oh that's good that someone else feels the same way about that and that's yeah. the same with me with uni and just hectic life running just gives me that break and it's sort of sort of like meditation in a way and you just um imp- it improves your self-awareness and it helps you reflect on your day and what you're going to do next and just everything and it just clears your head. And I don't know if you're the same, but um, I often get like creative thoughts, like things come into my mind that I might not have thought about and I'm not sure if that's yep, how some that's, of your fundraising me, yeah. ideas have come about in the past or you kind of, yeah, you really can channel that um, thinking energy into other things and not just yourself for a while. Exactly, yeah. Miriam, um, oh, sorry, I, you go. When I, when I go for a run, all these creative ideas do come to my head and it helps a lot as well. Yeah. It's like I'm sure something happens in our brain with the endorphins and all that stuff that uh, yep. is just firing those creative parts of our brain while we're going. Hey, Yeah, and I've had like days where just really bad days and you just feel depressed and sad. And But you go out for that run, you come back 
home a different person. <laughs> yeah, it really puts things into perspective, helps, I think, doesn't yeah. it? Like, yeah, it just clears the head and it's, uh, it's a good thing to do. I always say if everyone in the world went for a run every day, it'd be a much better place, I think. Yeah, it would be. It would be pretty good. Hey, I wanted to touch on you race wearing the hijab and the long tights as well. Obviously, you're practicing yep. Muslim, and uh, it's something that stands out because we don't see that so often. But obviously, exactly. it doesn't doesn't <laughs> restrict you at all because you're still running really, really fast. But have you had some interesting comments or looks in in your time training and racing? No, I have had the most. Like everyone's been so supportive of it, and. Um, I've had girls who wear the hijab themselves come up to me and tell me, you know, you've you're um, you've empowered me to start running, and that just it makes me feel really happy to know that I'm actually, you know, helping people see a different light and perspective of the hijab because there's this stereotype, you know, that Muslim women they they're not, you know, fit or they wear the hijab it restricts them from doing what they want, but that's not true. And I want to break down that stereotype. And also, you know, with the media, it's all this negative image about, you know, Muslims are terrorists and all that stuff when that's not the case. And I just want to, I guess, showcase that and show people that what you wear shouldn't restrict you from doing what you want. Yeah, 100%. And you can, you know... Yeah, you're really letting letting yourself talk as well. Like, you can... With your actions, with your fundraising, with the paces you're running at, with the races you're winning, you're definitely not held back in any way. Yeah, but I did come, like when I first moved to Australia, like um, I, and I sometimes it still does happen, you do get the occasional racist comments and um, I had really, really bad low self-esteem when I was in primary school and high school because of these comments and um I got bullied a lot, and I think over the years and currently now, that's really helped strengthen my identity now to try and help others um, who are going through the same thing and not let those, you know, um, I guess racist comments let them down. Yeah. Because, you know, those people don't deserve the, the attention. No, 100%. And hopefully times are changing. Like, hopefully that's something of the past. Oh, yes. But, um, I've definitely well, you, yeah, you'd be a perfect it. person to talk to about it. Like, yeah, your own experiences. And I guess even the way that your community can come around you and, you know, help you with those fundraising efforts or those fun runs, it really says that you're, you're one of the community. You're not somebody different because of uh, what you might wear. Exactly, yeah. Everyone, you know, everyone's an individual in this world and we need to embrace it and accept it. doesn't matter if you are a hijab or not. Everyone deserves the same amount of respect. Yeah, 100%. Couldn't have said it better myself. It's a, it's a pretty good quote, that one. And, yeah, it's it's sometimes hard to believe just in this conversation so far that, yeah, I am speaking to an 18-year-old, just how well-spoken you are with those comments. Well, almost 19. Almost 19, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll call you an 18-year-old for the for the rest of the okay. show, though. It sounds, sounds yep. more impressive if you're 18-year-old with these comments. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, that's it. Are there people in the Australian, like, uh, well, I guess anyone, I guess, in the running world that you really look up to and inspire to be like, given your views and your experiences and your, your promise and potential going forward? Um, I find that I get, I guess, motivation from anyone, just seeing people who aren't even elite runners, just your average person or, like, parents who have their kids on strollers and going out for runs, that motivates me or someone who's trying to change their lifestyle, um, trying to improve their health, they motivate me. But I do find Eloise Wellings to be a major 
influence and motivator for me and she's just so down to earth and humble and um like I've met her in you know when she comes down to Tasmania for local events and she always you know comes up to me and says hello Miriam and we talk and that's it really um motivates me and it's nice to know you know it's not about just being competitive it's also about the social aspect as you said um yeah does that freak you out a bit though like I know when I um heard you speak last time at the pre-race dinner for the Launceston 10k that you're kind of sitting next to her and she's one of your main competitors for that race um in my head I wasn't thinking oh I'm scared of her no because for me as I said running it's not about um being faster than the person next to me it's about trying to improve in myself but it was I found it was a privilege to race in the same race as Eloise Wellings, yeah, rather than being, you know, scared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. And uh, going forward, Hobart Cabri Half Marathon, was it next week or the 10K down there? What's what's coming yes, up I'm on the Yes, I'm doing the, the um, Cabri Half Marathon. Yeah, I'll be down there having a go at that one as well, so it'd be good to actually uh, catch up with you in person. Do you know what competition you've got there? Has there heard any names? Do you know who you're up against? I haven't really looked into it, to be honest. I've been too busy with um, uni. <laughs> it's been very hectic, but um, I guess to see. Yeah, well, your motto, you know, whatever you happens said, on yeah, race day. Just, yeah, get the best out of yourself, and if that gets first or fifth or 25th, it, uh, it doesn't exactly, worry you. Yeah. yeah, it's a pretty good way to look at things, really process goal-orientated rather than the outcome. That's true. And even if um, not every race is going to be a good race, and I've learned to accept that over the years, as well, because a lot of people, you know, they get really sad and disappointed in themselves and they push them, themselves too hard after a bad race. But at the end of the day, we're all humans and um, it's just one race. Like, there's still more to come in the future. And they actually make – I think the bad races make the better races even better because then you look back at your journey and your progress, which is really important. Yeah, I think that sometimes with injuries as well. Like maybe sometimes you need to go down to some dark places to realise just how it, how good it is when things are going well for you. Because you don't realise it until you actually have to stop. And oh, it does your <laughs> head in, doesn't it? it? Yeah. yeah. Some of those easy jogs that you just can't be bothered doing and then when you're injured and that's all you want to do, just go out for an easy jog. It, um, yeah, it really does your head in and, yeah, it's an important point. And a lot of people will be listening to this podcast as they're out running probably right now. So it's important to, uh, yeah, just remember that, to enjoy the journey and don't take things for granted, I guess. Exactly, yep. Hey, Miriam, the last question I always ask people on the podcast is if they've got a mantra or a life quote or um, some kind of motto that they try to live their life by. Have you got something that um, stands out to you? Yes. that For me, it's to live each day, live in the moment, don't dwell on the past, don't think too far ahead in the future because I found in the past if I do that, I just... It causes too much stress. Just focus on each day. Don't think about what happened yesterday or what's going to happen tomorrow because you don't know what's going to happen really. Um, and try and do the best you can, you know. Try and do one good thing, maybe help your neighbour or um, do something good for yourself. Make sure you take care of yourself, your mental health. Um, yeah, I think, you know, just try and, I guess, put sm small goals in front of you each day. Yeah, and stay in that moment. It's pretty important. Do you um do you meditate or anything that kind of helps you 
helps you stay I guess moment. running, yeah. yeah running is, is my meditation. <laughs> yeah, I've told people that. I, it definitely has to have some similar effects to med- meditation, I think, because the amount of time that I'm off um, almost daydreaming on a run, and yeah, it's uh, it's pretty good good way to stay yep. in the moment and just enjoy your environment and the atmosphere and time with friends and whatever it is. Yep. Hey, where That's can, the same with me. <laughs> yeah. Where can people follow the journey? Are you uh, on Instagram or Strava or anything like that if they want to reach out to you or, yeah, have you got yeah, any handles um, that you can plug? I've got um, an Instagram just dedicated to my running and it's called Merriam Runs. So, um, yeah. And I'm on Strava as well. So. Uh, beautiful. I think you just search my name and you'll find it. We'll find that. I'm sure the listeners, yeah, most of them are on Strava, so they'll be able to search that pretty good. Well, thanks for your time tonight. It's uh, It's been very refreshing just to hear a young person's perspective on life and perspective on running and um it's pretty exciting to kind of hear your story and yeah understand the potential of what may lie ahead for you yep and thank you so much for having me um you know in the podcast yeah no dramas at all as i, <laughs> I said, really a, appreciate a couple it, yeah. of people have uh, almost requested a conversation with you so um yeah it was hopefully yeah those couple of people and I always like having people on the show that may not be the the biggest names in Australian distance running, but have an interesting story and they can inspire people in in more ways yeah. than just letting. I'm not sure if my story is that interesting, but yeah. Uh, it is, yeah, no, it definitely is. With uh, yeah, you, I think you need to give yourself more credit. Like, yeah, some of the stuff you're doing is pretty amazing for someone so young, and yeah, just that those stories about Morocco and. The fact that you run that marathon so young and, you know, the fact that you've kind of raised $10,000 for different charities over the last couple of years is pretty pretty inspiring. And I think the listeners will agree with me. Yeah, thank you. No worries at all. Thanks for your time again tonight. And, uh, yeah, I'll see you down at Cabri Half Marathon next weekend. Yep, sounds not, good. <laughs> not looking forward to the hills on that course. It's pretty hilly, isn't it? It's kind of rolling hills. Have you run that one before? I think there is a few hills, yeah. I've never ran the half marathon. I've only done the ten. But it's not, not as bad as Points Pinnacle, so you'll, you'll oh, be yeah. fine. <laughs> well, I live in a town that literally has no hills at all. So, um, yeah, there's not one not one hill in my whole town, so I don't get to run on hills that often. So when I get a tiny uh, one, it, uh, yeah, it hurts me a bit. What are you running? I'm going to run the half marathon as well. So. Oh, okay, perfect. Yeah, yep. so we'll be I'll on the see, start line See you together. at the start line. Yeah, exactly right. It'd be good to put a name to the face after having a 50-minute conversation. A face to the name, sorry. Yeah. Um, so that'd be good. Thanks again for your time. And, yeah, as I said, I'm yeah stoked that the listeners will be able to hear your story, and I'm sure they'll be very inspired by it. Yeah, and as I said, you know, just – for those listeners and runners out there, never, you know, just for me, running, you need to work on your goals and, you know, don't doubt yourself. Just keep on going for it because if you put your mind to it, you can do anything. So, yeah. Excellent. Beautiful way to leave the conversation, I think.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 